So now we're we're recording. (laughs) (laughs) Every time I hook up with you, like you're just, you got, you got some new toy for us to try it. I love it. (laughs) I like to keep things interesting, man. I like to keep you on your toes, you know? You keep me young, Chuck, because otherwise I'd just be an old man with like still working on Logic 9. Keep me up with what the kids are doing these days. Welcome back to the Anacreates podcast. It's nice to have you back on again. Hey, Chuck. Uh, always always great to be back. Uh, looking forward to everything we're going to be talking about today. How, how are you doing? How are you doing this morning? I'm doing great, man. I got I got my coffee, nice big coffee because it's the morning and uh, I'm ready mm. to chat some, some recording stuff. You know, I always love having you on the podcast because, I mean, frankly, you and I talk quite often. It's becoming a seemingly weekly occurrence at this point and it's you know, at some point it's like, you know what, we might as well record this and put it on the internet. <laughs> so I, uh, I want to talk about drums. I want to talk about your recording setup. We just had the new song, the new cover that we did together come out, uh, the other day. So really, really excited for that. You crushed the drums on that one, by the way. Oh, thanks. Man. Um, which you already know, cause I've told you half a million times at this point. <laughs> but I want to talk about that. I want because I think it's really unique how you do all the recording, filming, everything yourself. For those of you who don't know who have, this is the first time, Malcolm was on a previous episode of the Anna Creates podcast. I believe it was episode 18 or 19. Oddly enough, it was when we were doing a different project that was coming out. So this is like our, <laughs> hey, we have a project. Let's do a podcast. <laughs> yeah, we, we don't do promo or anything like that. We just do a podcast. <laughs> we just, you know, jump on a podcast. Why not? But just give a little bit of a brief. Who are you for the people who have not heard you on the podcast before? Uh, well, hello. Uh, my name is Malcolm Cottle. I'm uh, I've been a drummer since I was about, I don't know, I'd like to say 12 or 13 um, I did the whole um, sort of school band thing. I did uh, concert band through uh, middle school and high school along with jazz band. Um, and then I went to college and performed in a percussion ensemble and a marching band in the States. And that was really fun. And pretty much that whole time I've been playing in bands. Um, my latest projects right now are uh, my solo project, which is called Sons of Horus. I released my first EP uh, which, of course, uh, for everyone that knows, uh, Chuck uh, mixed and helped produce for me. And um, so that was my first EP, Canopic EP. And then I'm set to release my next EP, which is going to be Revolution EP sometime this year. Uh, we're just kind of getting – it's all ready to go. We're just kind of getting all the ducks in the row and everything like that with quarantine because there's a lot of uh, different things to coordinate. But, yeah, that's kind of my solo project. It's mainly just rock music. That's what I play the most. That's what I love is just sort of rock, punk, and metal. Um, I like hitting drums hard. <laughs> And fast. So I'm really just sort of the part-time bedroom producer, musician type of thing. Uh, My full-time job is I work in a museum and I also run a small video production company where I make videos for clients and myself and stuff like that. Um, Yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, It's everything is kind of part-time hobby style, but uh, when you do it this much, you know, and spend this much money and time on it, it's sort of like hobby plus, you know, it's sort of its own part-time job, but uh, it's fun and I just love doing it. Um, I'm very fortunate to have, uh, friends like, like you, Chuck, and, and other people around that just, uh, want to do sort of these kinds of projects and just kind of get together and keep creating content and music, whether it's a, a cover or original stuff. So 
yeah, that's I'd say that's me in a nutshell. So for this uh, this latest project that we have going, there's nothing holding me back by Sean Mendez cover. I sent this to you a while ago and I was like, hey, man, do you want to be part of this cover? And I don't think I had finished sending the message and you had replied. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, you can never send me broken messages. Send me the whole thing in one block. Otherwise, I'll respond halfway through. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, it's, I've learned. Um, <laughs> so I'm curious, what what made you interested in doing this project? Because it is a cover song. It is. It's not mm. an original. What interested you in in jumping on this project and being a part of it? I mean, number one was. Um, I mean, you asked me, so that like, because that right away was kind of just like, oh, okay, that like you don't do things like half asked ever. Sorry, I don't know if we're allowed to swear on your podcast, but like you don't like you don't do anything like half measured. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you tend to do everything full production. And I love that. Um, I, I think for, for me too, like, you know, if, if you want me in on a project, that means we're going to be trying things. We're going to be experimenting and we're going to be kind of like, you know, doing something a little different. We're not going to just play the song. You know what I mean? So like right mm-hmm. away, I just kind of like already knew where this was going. So I think that's why I had such an early buy-in. Um, second of all too, it just, um, you just need projects to work on. I guess that's the thing is like, I just, I, like my legs, my legs start shaking when I don't have enough to like kind of occupy all my time. Um, yep. so for me, just like any project I can jump on is good. Uh, I also really liked this project because I didn't have to overwork the drums, um, mm. which sounds kind of silly cause I'm a drummer that records a lot, but you know, recording drums is hard. It's a lot of work and it takes a lot of effort. And so knowing that I could just get a track, hear it, write some drums, record them and send them off was really appealing to me. Cause it's not something I, I it never, it's almost never that easy. <laughs> right. If right. it's a project, I have to like, you know, arrange the song and then write the drums and then try to make the drum sound really good. Um, and you know, all, in all, you know, usually I have to play like 15 different parts, um, in, in any kind of production mm-hmm. I'm involved with, but you, it's like, I knew it's just like, oh man, all I had to do was shoot and record some drums and send them off and they would sound amazing. Right. Um, so that like right away that was like, oh yeah, this is just kind of a, it sounded like a fun, easy project to just bang out. Um, you sent me the demo and the demo sounded really good. I could tell that you were putting a lot more arrangement effort into it to try to kind of make it your own in your style, which it definitely had that like Chuck sound and style of arrangement to it, which I really liked. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. And then you said too, it's like, you know, this isn't in stone. If there's anything you want to like talk about or rearrange, like I'm open to it. So like, I knew it was going to be a fun collaborative effort. So it was like, yeah, right away. I'm down. Cause the way that we did this is I had arranged the song and just tried to change it, tried to make it my own. And, and that was kind of my intent was here's, I'm just going to mm-hmm. give you the like basically finished thing and go now just add your special little sparkles on it and (laughs) we can you know it's not super hard you don't have to do a lot of work i've already done most of this for this project at least it was like i want it to be easy but still try stuff because i'm open to suggestions for basically everything i do especially with you because i like what you do i arranged it i sent you the demo with kind of rough like hey this should be halftime and this should be you know double time kind of thing and Mm -hmm. then you got to change it to your liking, which <laughs> do you like it when you get to do that? Or like where there's kind of a, a somewhat of an idea. That's a perfect way. I think to work with anyone, honestly, um, for me, it works really well. Cause I like to get a sense of like, where do you see the groove sitting? Um, that's really just kind of important for a drummer. It's like, you just need to know like where are the accents, 
like where are the hits that you want like r- like clearly synced up and then just sort of what's the feel of every section that you're going for so yeah you sent me like very um you know just straightforward kind of just like midi drums um that made a lot of sense and probably would have sounded fine if you had just gone with those for the final product um but they were they were enough of a guide for me to know it's like okay like he wants something a little bit more here he wants something a little bit like thinner less here because you know he wants to emphasize the guitar so yeah it's 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 great to have sort of those guide instruments um when you're bringing in another person especially if you've programmed something and you're trying to bring in a live person to then do that plus mm. with a little enhancement it's really great to have sort of those guide tracks to kind of tell you okay this is what he's going for and then and you said too it's like i didn't have to follow any of them and there was definitely some sections i didn't like um there's the tom section in the middle i don't think that was in the original midi at all i think it was just a straight like hi-hat beat but i threw yeah. in sort of that tom groove and then went to the straight hi-hat beat because i actually liked it for the second half I thought it was actually pretty cool. So I kind of like doubled down on that. Mm. Um, there was that funny part where <laughs> I think you just had like uh, like a hi-hat and a snare just keeping time in that like intro right after the first like chorus hook. Um, and then I kind of mm. threw in that um, sort of that marching snare part. And like immediate, and like when I sent you off the demo of what I had done, you immediately were like, yes, you did that. I was totally. hoping you would do that. I tend to especially because I know your style and I know what you do because we've worked on so much stuff together. I'm like, okay, this is kind of like, you know, halftime or, or not that I want. And I know Malcolm's going to do. And so I kind of had a half guess. That <laughs> that's what he's going to do somewhere in this song. So I gonna let him pick. Cause I can't program that worth beans. So I was like, I'll just let him figure out where he's going to put it. Mm-hmm. No, it was, <laughs> which is, which is great. Um, but yeah, it, it was a good system in terms of how we work. So yeah, you sent me the, the demo kind of just without drums and then with your program drums. And that gave me a lot of room to kind of like learn the song and learn the arrangement. Um, and then I set up mics just enough to kind of capture everything. So then I, figured out more or less what the parts I wanted to do um, were. And then I think I sent you that just as like a single file, just so you could hear it. And I, and I kind of said like, Hey, like this is what I'm going for with all these parts. What do you think? And then that, that, that was a great place where we could start the conversation of, okay, I like what you're doing here. Um, I think you could do more here. I think you could back off here. And, and, and I love that. I really like working with people that like kind of, have a lot to say about drums um, because if you let me just go, I'll, yeah. <laughs> I'll tend to overdo it um, just because it's sort of in my nature. <laughs> so I really, I really yeah. like working with people that are, are willing to kind of say like, Oh, pull it back here a little bit or like, okay, go, go hard in this section, that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, yeah. Cause I think drums are important. I think drums really make every song in every genre. It, it really holds down the arrangement and holds down the song. So I like talking about the drum parts and like really figuring out what is the right part for this section. Totally. And, and I feel that, that I was actually talking to somebody about this the other day. The drums mm. are so important to the feel of each section. Like you say, mm-hmm. like the d- guitar part could not change at all. And yet the drums can make that same part sound different in 10 different ways, depending on what you oh, play yeah. and depending on how you grew underneath it. And I think that's so important and such a fun. To- that's why I write when I do these arrangements, when I write originals or with like a cover like this, I write with, programming drums like i program Mm -hmm. my basic drums as i'm doing the guitar parts because of that exact reason is like smart it makes such a big difference to what's going to come out the other end but i loved what when we did back and forth that first one that you sent me that end beat with the like right at the end on the last chorus you had a beat with the hi-hat 
that kind of did like on the off beats with the hi-hat. Oh, and yeah. I loved that beat so much. <laughs> That's why I extended the end of the song. And as soon as we got on that call, I'm like, I want more of that. Let's add more to the chorus. Like, let's yeah, change this. Yeah. And that's, you know, it. it's not a complicated part, which is kind of the cool thing. It's like, you know, you actually wrote the Soka beat that was like, it's like basically a Soka uh, for the chorus, like mm. the boom, da, boom, da, boom, da, boom, da. And then basically I just took that and wanted to give it like kind of a, 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 a little bit of release because there's a lot of tension in the way that that's played. Like um, it's the chorus. So there's a little bit of release of tension based on the pre-chorus. But I really feel like like that beat kind of like builds energy and and so a little bit of tension. So I wanted to kind of release that in the last part. And so I just basically moved it over to the hi-hat. And so the snare is only coming in on the one, two, three, four. And then the hi-hat is taking over sort of that soca feel, which kind of just opened it up a little bit. And then you were right. You wanted to open up even more and even release even more of that stress, which was really cool. So that's when we kind of came up with like the halftime kind of um, double chorus, I guess you can call it, because you kind of bring back some of the lyrics too. And then, yep. yeah, yeah. And that was a good example too of just like, you know, once you hear someone else kind of contribute their feel and ideas to something, it sparks new ideas too. And I think that's the that's the cool thing about collaborating with others is like, you know, you do everything, you send it off. You see what someone else does, and a lot of times it'll spark new ideas. It's like, oh, that riff you added or this like feel you added to it. I like it. I want more of it. You know, yep. like let's double it or whatever. Or like that makes me think, yep. mm, let's thematically add this in earlier so it's like it's coming out a couple times in the song as opposed to once. Like just that kind of cool stuff that just happens when you collaborate with other musicians, you know? Yeah. And I mean, to me, that's why you pull somebody else in. Honestly, mm -hmm. it's like I can program drums. And like you said, <laughs> yes, probably would have been fine if I like even did a bit more to it, but getting those extra ideas from somebody else, some other set of ears, especially now that we can do it. Like we're not even in the same country and we can still do this. So. No. How amazing is that, man? It's still blowing my mind that I can go downstairs into my basement, record some drums, send them off, come upstairs, do some arrangement. And like the fact that like, this isn't our first kick at the like sort of international producing can too. Like this is like, we've done two, two yep. EPs together. We've done a bunch of like little projects. Like it is crazy that we have the resources to just do this at home and collaborate with people all over the world. Yeah. And <laughs> the fact that we're even doing this podcast remotely is crazy to me. Like we're using this like new platform to just like, you know, record this podcast and it's actually going to sound like a podcast. Like we were in the same like studio booth together. Like it's, yeah, it's just insane. The possibilities are endless. Every time we try something new, every time something else comes in and it's like, wow, we can do this. Yeah. <laughs> Although I will say I am very much looking forward to the day when we can get back in the same room again and record some more drums that's in true. the same room. Yeah. That's I'm be, looking forward to that too. Yeah. That's going to be good. <laughs> pound a bunch yeah. of energy drinks and try to make drums yeah. sound really good. I had another question for you based on this, because We've done, and I know you've done a bunch of projects like this, and we've done a bunch of projects where you program the drums. You're a drummer, so you mm -hmm. have the drum beats, you have the parts, but you still program them. Um, like you said, recording drums is a can be a hassle sometimes. <laughs> but why was it that you decided to actually set up mics and record real drums for this project and not just program them? And they would have sounded great. That's a rock song mm -hmm. that you don't sure. need necessarily like it's there's samples in there there's like that's what we do so why was it that you actually decided you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna go through the effort and i'm gonna record real drums <laughs> yeah that's a that's actually a really solid worthwhile question i think to just address your voice point i 
conduct a lot of um, MIDI drums nowadays. Um, I program a lot of drums for a lot of different projects um, simply because I think it's just sort of, it's the state of age we're in. Um, I don't have all of the time and the resources to constantly be recording drums. I mean, again, I'm, I'm basically a part-time kind of hobby musician. So recording drums is, is difficult and hard. And I think just in the modern era too, so many, to me too, like for a lot of the projects I do, like it's the drums are going to get sample replaced no matter what. Like it's just the sound of the records that I tend to make and the, the sound that I'm trying to fit my recordings into is, is that sample replaced, um, sample heavy drums. So to me, it's sort of a cost benefit analysis a lot of times where, why would I spend all of the time and the money and the effort to record these drums just to sample replace them anyway? And then also too, and then someone else is usually sample replacing the drums and I don't trust everyone to sample with integrity. I would almost say, I don't mm. know. I, I think there's a lot of yep. skill involved in properly sample replacing drums to make them sound real and good. And I can definitely pick out records where I think the sampling was done terribly. And, you know, you just never know what, you know, someone yeah. else's samples are going to sound like, you know, like I hate a lot of snares out there because they don't sound like snares to me. I like it to sound like the actual drum. And a lot of them sound, just sound like sort of like two by fours being slapped together with a bunch of reverb. I don't know. I'm getting on a tangent here. <laughs> That's the sample. It's called the two by four together. It's, it's a sample we put in there often. <laughs> <laughs> here you go. <laughs> Yeah. So, so in any case, uh, for me, from, for records, when I'm doing like EPs or albums, like I, I've kind of been doing a lot more programming of drums. For me, that's okay because albums for me are kind of a, in just sort of a different area of, of what I'm trying to do with, with a record. I'm really interested in sort of the arrangement, how everything kind of comes together and what you wrote and how it all sort of comes together into a full song. That's really what I'm interested in there. With YouTube, I think there's um, there's a need and an interest for seeing what people can actually do. And so mm. I watch a lot of you know drummers on YouTube, and I have a lot more respect for the drummers on YouTube that use real drum sounds and everything like that and actually record drums versus, um, you know, over sample replacing or just doing MIDI drums. I just don't think that's the kind of the point of YouTube. And when you approached me with this project, it was like, it was a one-off. I want to do a cover and release it on YouTube. So for me, it was like, okay, well then we're going to one, I know we're going to be shooting a video for it before, you know, we even said that that was obviously where this was going. So yeah. if I'm doing that, I think it's kind of important that I actually play these parts and I actually sit down and do them. Um, and I guess that was the other thing too, is it was a one-off project. Like there wasn't a plan to do like a whole album of covers or anything like that. Like we'll probably do more, but like, you know, right now these are sort of one-offs. So it's not a terrible mm -hmm. amount of work to kind of sit down and, and figure out the drums and just play them. It was probably honestly a little easier to yep. just sit down and play them than it was to like sit down and then try to figure out how to program whatever kind of came to mind. Because uh, programming is is overall faster, but it does take a little bit more time because you have to figure out like exactly what you're doing. And there it, there is something about just like sitting behind the drum kit and then just doing it. <laughs> What's your um, thought on, because a lot of people I think at home they either can't record real drums, they don't have the space, they're in an apartment, whatever the fact may be. Sure, yeah. What's what's your take on using like an e-kit and and playing in the parts and actually playing it, but using something like, mm -hmm. you know, Drumforge or Stephen Slate or any of these drum samplers who replace that sound with with 
honestly good sounding samples, but yeah. they've actually played it in. So it has some of that life to it. Mm-hmm. Um, what's your take on, on that side of things? I, I think that's a great way to do it. Um, I did that for my newest EP. So like my new EP is all program drums, but for quite a few of the tracks, I played them out on, on a, on my Roland kit and then mm-hmm. just replaced the sounds with drum forge. That's exactly what I did. And I guess the other thing I'll, I'll preface this whole conversation with is I just don't really think anyone should be telling anyone what they can and cannot do. Do what's right for you. You know what I mean? Like, um, mm-hmm. I definitely have things that I think are better for some situations and better for other situations, but I just don't believe that you should tell anyone what they can and cannot do with music. It's an art form. Whatever you want to do, do what you want to do with your art form. There's endless arguments for and against sampling, programming drums versus live drums versus hybrid, whatever, whatever, whatever. Personally, for me, I gravitate towards YouTube drummers or just anyone that's putting stuff off, putting stuff out on a social platform like that. I gravitate more towards drummers that don't sample replace as much or at least subtle sample replace. Like I think Luke Holland really strikes a nice balance. His drums never sound like over. I'm sure they're sampled, but they sound fairly natural. And I think they're sampling the kits he's actually using and stuff like that. And the samples I think are mainly samples he's created. I have no problem with that overall. And I just, I respect that. I really just respect that because when I go onto YouTube, I'm looking for players. I'm looking for people that can actually play these parts and are proving how well they can play these parts. And I think that's really important. But when I'm listening to records, like I'm listening for arrangements, I'm listening for a full production and how it all comes together. And if you Mm -hmm. feel that like samples will make it sound the way you want it to sound, go for it, man. I mean, I can't actually play the violin, but there's a violin in almost every song I've ever released because I love it. And it just thickens out the arrangement, you know, Um, it's sort of like, where do you draw the line of like what you can and cannot play and why? I think there's endless arguments to it. But what I really just don't believe in anymore is just people telling you what you can and cannot do with your art. I I totally agree with you. I think that uh, like there's definitely a big thing to be said about real drummers playing drums. Um, And Mm -hmm. but I think that if you do it correctly, you can sample things right. You can use program drums correctly and play them in on an e-kit, whatever the fact is. You just as long as you're taking the time to do that and actually pay attention to what you're doing and, and really hone in on it and make it sound natural, not just everything's at velocity 100 the whole time. There's yeah. no subtlety. There's no, you know, I, I program a lot of drums mm-hmm. and I'm not a drummer, but I still fine tune and make it sound a bit more natural. And then you, who's a drummer, mm-hmm. does it even, even to the next level and goes, this is how it would sound if I were to play it. So I think it's as long as you're paying attention, it works. When I program drums, I really take it very seriously. Like I really try my best to program exactly what I can and cannot play. Like I don't release anything that I've programmed that I haven't actually sat behind the kit and actually played myself too. Mm. I mean, I, and again, too, I'm not saying that everyone has to do this. This is just my approach is for me to kind of be able to like release something with full confidence. I have to have actually sat behind the kit and played through it like correctly at least once. Um, there is a chance I've only played it correctly once <laughs> because it was really hard, but, but I just like, I know like it, it, it's at least reassuring to me that I know if I just like took the time and sat down, I can play this stuff. So like, I try yeah. not to program anything that's impossible for me to play. Yeah. Um, and I take a lot of time and go through, like I go through every single hit and try to figure out like, how do I actually hit a symbol? Like what are the light hits that kind of fill it through? And what are the hard hits snare is the same way. 
toms i tend to not do quite as much like fine detail because i always want the i always want toms to pop right out of the mix so i sometimes over um yeah you know do the velocities on those just because i want them to cut right through the mix but with definitely with snare yeah. and cymbals i spend a lot of trying trying to make them sound as realistic and as true to my playing as i possibly can that's a that's a very uh engineery approach to programming drums where you're like everything's got to <laughs> sound natural except the toms just crank them i want them through the mix <laughs> like, yeah i just and when i go i just want to hear it no doubt yeah <laughs> so the interesting thing is is that you um record your real drums yourself and i'm curious about for like a project like this like you did the the filming or the the recording yourself um and mm -hmm. just kind of tell us a little bit about how you recorded it, how you physically do it. Do you put the computer beside you? Do you have to run around? Mm. Do you have a, a remote? How does that work for, for you um, to actually physically record yourself? Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, it's definitely a process like anything. So um, my main, if you will, like my main like production room is the room I'm in right now, which is just a spare room in my house um, where I have like my iMac and all my good stuff. Um, and then all of my drums and everything are down in the basement. So, um, cause that's the only place I can drum and not get the neighbors calling the cops on a daily basis. If you want to hear what that sounds like, go check out my Canopic EP and check out the last track and you'll hear what it sounds like when someone it's calls amazing. about drums. It's amazing. Go check it out. <laughs> <laughs> Little Absolutely plug there. Phenomenal. Um, yep. yeah. So, so I have my drums in the basement, um, and I've done, it's, it's a terrible basement cause it's like sort of semi unfinished. Like there's a, there's, there's a floor uh, but like all the walls are concrete and the ceiling's completely exposed. So it's just like wires and piping and like wooden beams. Um, so I've done a lot of work to try to sound treat it as best I can right now. Basically what I have is my drums are in a corner and then sort of surrounded by like almost like a band shell of just black uh, king size bed sheets. So I kind of did that to kind of insulate the sound a little bit. And that also, and I always have to kind of consider audio quality and video shooting. Cause like, I know I'm going to be doing both a lot. So I have to kind of balance the two. Um, so I've done a little bit of um, treatment down there, but yeah, basically the drums are there. And then my um, recording rig is down there and I just record all the drums onto a laptop basically. So I just have my laptop down there um, and I use my laptop basically just to get them into a uh, Samsung, um, SSD, which I use the T5s because they're really fast and just phenomenal. Um, yep. So my rig currently includes a Focusrite Liquid Sapphire 56, um, which is now a little bit out of date. So I'm probably going to have to update pretty soon because Focusrite isn't supporting the um, mix control anymore. That's the interface I've used for uh, a few years now, and it's been really great. I really like it a lot. Um, just very clean preamps. And the best part about it is it includes two uh, ADAT ins. So I can actually, uh, so I get eight preamps off the liquid Sapphire and then I can run in, uh, 16 more, uh, individual preamps. So I, I can get a total of 32, mm. which if you're recording drums, you need at least 16, yeah. let's be honest. So, yeah. um, and I do like to record kind of like larger groups too. So I was looking for, is like m trying to just maximize the amount of, uh, preamp inputs that I could have. So right now for this session, um, I ran a uh, Focusrite Octo Pre Dynamic into the Liquid Sapphire. So that's what gave me my 16 channels. Um, and I have that just on a little swivel desk, basically. So that's all in like a... Uh, like a gear rack box kind of thing. Mm. Um, and then my laptop just goes on top of that. So I set that up and then I just run all the mics into the back. 
um, from the kit. And then that is not quite like right beside me because I don't have enough room to have it right beside me. I used to, and then I changed the setup for better video. So I have to move it a little away. And basically the hardest part of the whole process is just gain staging by yourself. Uh, gain staging mm. drums by yourself is a real pain in the butt because it's a lot of <laughs> sit down, hit the snare as hard as you can while like looking at the channel that has your snares on it. And then just trying to see if you, if you see the little red, <laughs> little red light come on and you're like, okay, yep, that's it. And then you get up and you go over and you turn it down a little bit and then you come back and you hit the snare again and you go, yep. And then you, and then yep. you're trying to see how many little red lights come up because it's always the snare because your snare is going to peak your overheads. Your snare is going to peak your snares. It's probably going to peak your rack, Tom, your room mic. So it's like it's a lot yep. of get up and sit down, get up and sit down. Um, and it takes a lot of patience. Um, sometimes I kind of try to stand in the middle and hit the snare and then have my hand on a dial to turn it. And I found <laughs> I never gain stage correctly when I do that. I have to like sit down, take a breath, crack the snare look and then kind of so yeah it's a lot of back and forth you got to play the snare like you think you're going to play the snare in the song exactly not yeah half-assed off to the 100 percent. Yeah. and what i do and one trick i do use is I, I i always crack the snare with my right hand as opposed to my left even though i'll play it predominantly with my left hand if i ever hit an accent with my right that's going to be probably the loudest thing that i'm going right. to play so that's one thing I try to do is I really I hit it with the right hand because then I know if I have it gain stage correctly for a solid like rim shot with my right hand, I know there's not going to be any peaking after that. Right. Um, so it's a lot of back and forth. Um, the DAW I use is Logic Pro X. So the great thing about Logic is it has a companion app that can go on an iPad that's a mm. surface control for Logic. So I got that and that was a a bit of a game changer. I'm not going to lie. Right. Um, so I'll go to the laptop. I'll set up the whole session, like make sure everything is um, wired correctly and everything's going to the right thing. And then kind of just get the whole session organized. And then I just pull up the app on the, um, on the iPad. And then I just sit that on just, I, I have an extra drum stool uh, right beside me. And then that's what I use to, to start recording the session and, you know, just get everything armed and everything like that. So that's been a huge help. Um, if you're recording drums by yourself, find little things like this to do that really just make it yeah. so that once you can finally sit down, you stay seated. Yeah, to totally. <laughs> um, but it's great because I can control all of logic just through this app and I can kind of and I can still see my laptop, too. So I can just visually check that, like, the the app is coordinating with my computer. Um, so that's really great. And then, yeah, and then it's just sitting down and doing it. Um, generally speaking, I like to do about five takes of drums okay. for anything I'm doing. I find that seems to be the sweet spot for me. If I do much more than five, something else is wrong. Mm. Usually around like, <laughs> it's funny too. So your first take is always your worst take. Cause you're kind of just getting settled and you got like a lot of adrenaline. Cause you're right about ready to go and you mess up all the things and you go, Oh no, what have I done? I'm not ready. And then your second take is always, <laughs> I, for me, my second and my second to last take are always my best takes. Those are usually the two that I comp the most. Okay. Um, first take is always trash. Second take is good because you're, you're, you're settled in third and fourth take. You're usually kind of overthinking the couple of things that you might've kind of screwed up a little bit. And so you're kind of like thinking too hard about those. And then yeah. the second to last take is always my final best take usually. Cause I'm like, okay, that was it. I nailed it. And then I'll always do one more for insurance. Um, right. Always have that insurance take. Um, and for drums too, I always like tracking beginning to end. That's always how I've done it is always just track beginning yep. to end. Um, I usually only punch in like the occasional fill. If I really just feel at the end 
that I just never quite got the fill like right on. Then I'll punch in like a specific fill. But other than that, it's always beginning to end. I don't really like to right. piece it together. I don't feel it very well when I do that. So yeah, I find usually about five takes is sort of the sweet spot. That's usually if I can't get it in five takes, then something else is going on. Either I need to like work out a part or I'm just like feeling off that day and I need to just like leave the session and maybe come back. Yeah. I, I find too, I think you're a hundred percent right. You need to like take a break and come back. And if you're not feeling it, that's fine. But mm-hmm. typically if you, if you're going past five or, or, you know, whatever number it is for you, um, <laughs> you know, there's something else that you should probably like take a break. You're overthinking it. That's when you really start mm-hmm. overthinking it. And you might yeah. nail one part, but everything is going to get worse slowly. Like it, there's only, it goes downhill quick. So take a break, take 20 minutes, take an hour, take two hours, come back the next day, whatever it is. Um, 100%. Is, I think very, very important. So do you, yeah. you record these five takes? How do you, how do you approach comping or putting stuff together after you've recorded it? Sure. Yeah. So um, there's also a notes feature that's in logic that I really, that I try to utilize mm-hmm. a lot while I'm tracking. So I'll usually yep. have that up and I'll be adding notes about every take as I go through. So like take one, I'll, I'll, I'll usually give like an overall note of like fine, good, amazing, the one. Right. <laughs> um, and then I'll add other little notes like, Oh, messed up pre-course Phil or, um, hesitated on this or that just so I have those kind of notes. So I, it speeds up the comping process. Then I kind of just look at the five takes and go, okay, which one was the the good one? Cause the more I could stick with one take, the better I would like to just stick with one take, especially with drums, just because you have symbols, just sort of like waving at different, you know, frequencies and lengths. So like, you know, sometimes I can get complicated, you know, if I didn't hit the symbol as hard in take one, but I'm trying to comp into take four, you know, then you get that, you know, just those little, little things. So the more I can use one take, the better. And then I just go through the song drums only. Like I'll cut the track out and just like really listen to the drums and the click track. Just see what was on, what was off, what felt good and what felt like I was really riding um, the beat on yeah. in kind of the right feel. Um, and yeah. then once I have a full comp done, then I uh, save as the session um, and I keep that. And then in the new session, then I will flatten all of that comp. So it's all flattened out because that's the one thing with logic. Once you start cutting it up, um, it's hard to kind of do much with it. And that's just a lot of processing that you just don't need anymore. So I just do that in a new session because then if anything shows up later, like as I'm sampling or just as I'm editing and mixing, then I can always go back to the original session that still has all the comp drums, open that up. And then I can just like re-export that and then just drag it into the new session. So it helps me just kind of commit to something too. Cause if I just keep all of those comps together and then keep going with the mixing process, I'm going to keep opening them up and like trying to like fine tune, like <laughs> comp in one hit every yeah. here and there. Cause like all oh, this one hit isn't as strong as the others. Yeah. Like, so it, it's a, it's a process I've found to help me just kind of commit to something and move on. So for this, you know, um, I just comped the drum. So I, I, so that it had the best full take. And then I sent it off to you because you're a much and, and you gridded everything, right? Because that's your. I, yeah, that's how I do things. <laughs> that's how you do it. Yeah. <laughs> yep. and, 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 you know, that's the thing. It's like, I knew that I knew you were going to do that. So I was like, well, I'm not going to waste my time gridding it because you're a yep. master editor. So I was just like, OK, just, you know, I know that these are all the right drum parts. He'll fit them into yep. the grid. So I just sent them off from there. It works really well because of the fact that you manage to get them right and make sure all the cuts and the comps were correct. So you paid attention to that. There's a lot that I get where it's like, I have to find a different symbol in that part again and try and 
so that it doesn't mm-hmm. sound like it's a jarring different thing and and you know it is yeah, it is absolutely. what it is half the time but like he's like malcolm said is he knew that i was going to grid everything and i put everything to the grid that's just something that i like to do personally for a lot of music that i make especially when it's my own stuff everything is very gridded and the way that i actually did this song is where i recorded the guitars kind of roughly um did a bit of nudging so that things were on so that he could actually like play drums to them and have them close enough once the drums were in then i went back and re-recorded all the guitars again and Mm. edited them so they were locked onto the grid as well but now that i had his final 100 final drum parts i could kind of change little bits of the guitars if i needed to change like the transitions or the like to match the fills or something, then I can Mm, do that mm -hmm. now that I had the final drums and they were locked. And then I edited the guitars to, you know, exactly on the grid. (laughs) Everything is perfect. (laughs) Everything is perfect. So I just wanted to quickly talk about, cause, cause you managed to actually be able to record drums at home. We talked about how you physically recorded them. Like, mm. do you have fancy mics? Do you have a whole bunch of mics? You said minimum 16 inputs uh, for you anyway. <laughs> what, like, you got 32. Do you have 32 mics on this kit? Like, what's going on in your basement down there? No. <laughs> what's going on down there? Uh, no, I've been, um, I've been very slowly building my drum mic locker, if you will. Um I have a real hard time like committing to, to, to mics because they are expensive and I do so many different things. I, I can't really afford um, to, to get any mic that only does one thing. I kind of need mics that can handle a, at least a range of different things. So, um, so yeah, I've, I've been very slowly building up my mic locker, um, to record drums. So yeah, I can give you a quick rundown. So, yeah, yeah. um, like anyone, I started with a kit. Everyone I know that like talks to me about recording drums. I always recommend starting with a kit because they're cheap and they give you everything you need. I started with a CAD seven piece mic kit, which was great. So it had two overheads, uh, three Tom specific mics, a snare specific mic, and then a kick mic. And I actually still use a bunch of them, which is kind of cool. So as you record and get more comfortable with it, you'll realize what you want to replace and what you want to upgrade. So yeah, for this session on the snare, I had a modified Shure SM57 on the top and then a regular 57 on the bottom. Uh, when I say modified, I, uh, I purchased one of those Wilkinson clamps. Mm. It's awesome, especially for drums. Basically what it does is it takes your, 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 your kind of straight 57 and you just unscrew the the cap on the top and then mm. this clip is a right angle clip and then it just it's just rubber it goes right over top of the the base and the in the the cap and then you just screw it in and it makes it so your your 57 now is at a right angle at the top so it just eliminates a whole lot of space and it's just i i will never go back now i don't think i'll ever <laughs> record if i'm recording uh snare with a 57 on the top i'm always going to use the wilkinson clamp so yeah um basically just um sm57 on the top and the bottom of the snare on my kick i have the cad kit um mic as my out mic so i just put uh the kick mic kind of right in the porthole and i use that to kind of just get all the sub sound um from the kick Mm -hmm. and then on the inside right almost up close to the to the beater head i i use the tom mic from the cad set uh and the reason i do that is because it um it honestly all it does is pick up the click of the kit right um i like a really clicky kick overall um, yep. coming from the metal side of things, I like a lot of just straight attack. And the reason I started doing that is because 
it doesn't really get any very much bleed from the other mics. It definitely picks up the transient of the kick. So I use it mainly to trigger my kick. Um, so it's really not for sound. It's more for kind of production uh, uh, in post, um, but it works quite well. On the toms, I had uh, Sennheiser E604s on okay. the rack and the floor. Um, I used to have 57s on there, but um, I wanted something that was a little smaller, but also giving me, you know, just kind of a nice rounded sound. And I love them. Overheads, I'm, I was still using the, uh, the CAD overheads, which I really like. They're just small uh, pencil cardioid. Uh, mics, but they have a, a roll off and a pad on them. Yeah. Um, and they're nice and bright. They just pick up symbols really well. Again, you know, I kind of mic the kit a little differently depending on what I'm doing. If I know that the toms and everything are going to be sampled, I tend to kind of focus the overheads more on capturing just nice bright symbols as opposed to mm -hmm. the full tones of the drums. Mm -hmm. On the hi-hat, I have an, uh, an Art M6 pencil microphone. Again, it's got a roll off and a pad, so it, it just, you know, it's been really great. I actually got it with my vocal mic that I use a lot, which is the Art M2. So it came in a pack. <laughs> you got the M6 yep. and the M2. So I was like, oh, bet. I'll do that. <laughs> uh, and then the room mic, I used a SM57, actually. And I kind of pointed okay. it a slightly upwards. Again, just because I wanted to capture more symbols. I was really, I knew right. you were going to be probably sample replacing. So I knew you were going to have good quality samples. So I wasn't as worried about capturing the tone of the drums, more just the transients. And I was really more concerned with just getting a really nice cymbal sound for you. Um, that would sound big and natural. And I've made a few updates since we did the, did the track. So, um, I upgraded the, uh, uh kick in mic to a sure beta 91 a, Condenser, I which I love. Oh my love. gosh, I cannot yeah. believe I waited this long to get that mic. If you want a ticky, clicky kick, that's mm -hmm. your mic. <laughs> like that thing does that so well. Yeah, so that's obviously why I got it was to replace the uh like the Tom mic that I just stuck in there. Right. But at the same time, it's got a lot of really great bass frequencies on it too. Like it kind of does the whole thing for you. It's punchy, but it's bassy. I really like it, and it blends oh. so well with a with a bass guitar. So yeah, um, yeah. My overheads, I finally upgraded. I upgraded to Rode M5s. Um, you know, I, I was looking at a lot of different ones. I definitely, you know, I discussed with you a lot of different options, uh, but yep. they're great. They sound nice and bright. I'm really happy with them. So those were what I used for my overheads, and then I actually took the old CAD overheads and now i use them as room mics yeah so that's pretty much my mic setup that was my mic setup for this video and that's kind of my updated mic setup now looking at your mic list at which yes you have like gotten them all together over years of trying different stuff and whatnot but what i'm hearing which i think is is nice for a lot of people who want to start recording drums at home or who are looking to kind of work on their setup at home they're very accessible mics and gear and like even your interface everything yeah. is very accessible it's not gonna like completely break the bank no. it's like yeah. anybody can get it 100 percent. i mean i couldn't get it all at once um and even then mm. even if you did get it all i i mean honestly if you looked at my whole rig for recording drums yeah. you just did like the main interface the octo pre-dynamic and then these mics, I think you're looking at under $1,000. Again, I started off with the CAD mic, seven mic kit. I think that kit yep. is $200. And I'm right. still using mics from it. Like, I'm still using the overheads. I'm still using the kick drum. Like, I've wanted to get a Shure Beta for the, for the kick. But, yep. like, the reason I keep not doing it is because, like, oh, but this, this thing is doing the job. Like, it's getting the sub frequencies. Totally. It sounds good. Like, I don't need to upgrade. That's the thing. I, I just want to. I don't need to. And I think an okay interface is still 
phenomenal compared to even true. five years ago. So <laughs> no, that's very true. If you're getting started with recording right now, you can get basically any interface on the market and it'll serve you very well. If I, it's got yeah. the right inputs, if the software works, obviously, but like quality wise, you're not going to be running into this. Like I need to upgrade next week because it's gone out of date already. And it's like, doesn't sound good. It'll sound good. Even the $200 interfaces can sound really good if you get some good mics and you yeah. also know what you're doing the barrier to entry for this is low for good quality yeah. nowadays you don't need to spend eight thousand dollars on an interface anymore to get good quality no. you can yeah. get good quality with accessible stuff as you've literally just said with this with your mics your interface none of it's overly expensive it's all fairly consumer that you can get it it's accessible it's not like vintage yeah. stuff that you can't find but yet I mean, listen to the track. It sounds it sounds great because yeah. you know how to use it. You can play it well and <laughs> it works. And that's, I think, really, really important to uh, for people getting started nowadays. You can get started for very simple. Full transparency, too. I mean, recording drums is more expensive than recording anything else. I mean, for a guitarist, yeah. my God, it's easy. If you want to record drums, it just takes a lot of learning and a lot of time and a lot of commitment. And the trick is to just not get discouraged. Just yep. keep trying. You know, it's yep. not going to sound great the first time. It's going to sound better the second time. And if you just if you just set them up and hit record and go, why don't they sound good? I mean, there's a lot more to it than that. Unfortunately, with guitar, yep. you can just plug it in. It'll sound great as long as you're in tune and not peaking. With drums, there's just a lot more effort that goes into it. And you have to be willing to kind of go down that road. So speaking of learning and continuously learning, I know you've done a number of cover songs. Some of them are more just like, let's play the song let's learn the song and do it some of them are more let me do my own like really put my own twist on it obviously this one is mm -hmm. like very let's completely change most of it but keep the vocal yeah. <laughs> melodies kind of the same mm -hmm. um but i know you you like doing covers and you you've done a number of them why do you think people should do covers and why do you think that's such a good learning experience for producers for engineers for songwriters for anybody, because I know my opinion, I've made a video on this, but I'm interested to hear what you have to say about the benefit of doing covers, not just originals, but developing your skills mm -hmm. with covers. Why? Why is that so good? Yeah, yeah, it's a solid question. I think covers can be really great. And the reason I keep doing covers is because it's just a chance to learn and try things. Um, mm -hmm. I really don't take my covers all that seriously. Like I it's not a, something I invest a lot of time into. Like I pretty much do it. And I post it and then I kind of forget about it. Like I don't even like post the multiple times on my social media or anything like right. that. It's kind of like I put it out there and I sort of just move on because for me, it's, it's, it's just practicing. That's why I do covers is it gives yep. me a, a tangible goal, a tangible project to accomplish that gives me practice. Mm -hmm. I started doing them because I wanted to practice videography and drum recording. That was it. it. It gave me a tangible thing to do to set up the drums, set up the mics, record, and 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 shoot video mm -hmm. um and i'm just kind of that way i don't i i struggle to just experiment for the sake of experimentation i'm the same way with mm -hmm. video too like i i experiment more when i have an end goal in mind or or a project to sort of release like i i need something kind of to do for me that's what the covers do for me is they're they're just a reason to write drum parts um like i can't just sit on the kit and just like kind of jam by myself and hit record and then I'll never do anything with it. I really won't. Like, mm -hmm. um, if it mm -hmm. sounds okay, then it'll sound okay. And 
I'll never really do anything, anything with it, but I'm always, I'm always better at writing drums when I'm writing for something specific. Um, so picking a pop song and then just remixing drums for it is, is a purpose for me to do something with it and a reason to set up the mics, hit record and, and then share like, Hey, look at this thing I did. There's some pride and there's some ego attached to it as well, obviously. But for me, that's the big benefit of doing a cover is it just gives you a tangible project to accomplish. The reason why I like doing covers like something like this isn't just to learn it and turn it around. And like, I don't, that doesn't matter to me. I think covers are really <laughs> a good idea for engineers and for creators to take mm-hmm. and not just do it to do it, but to do it to learn it. Because the the reason mm-hmm. the song is so big is because the structure was right or the lyrics are right or the melodies are right. Doing a cover of it to learn it and to really because when you try and learn it and and recreate it, you get so mm-hmm. much more in depth than just listening to it and studying it. You actually now have to go, oh, I see what they did, like why this works. And I think that's the beautiful part about making covers. And I think the valuable part about making covers is that you get to go so in depth into something and then change it and go, well, what would I do to make this what's working, but make it my own. And so like, Mm -hmm. for instance, for this song, I'm not saying Sean Mendez's version of the song is bad. It's (laughs) just not me. So now I'm doing my own thing, Mm -hmm. but learning how did this amazing song that has millions and millions of views why do people like it? What is the part that is good about this mm-hmm. that I should learn from? But I, I'm really excited. I hope uh, that people have managed to go check out the cover. If you haven't, go to my YouTube channel and it creates and see the main cover there. And then we also now have a drum playthrough cover that's coming out on your channel. Is that? Yep. Yep. So it's the it's the full track still. It's just uh, I just did a cut of the video. That's just me playing my parts. You did some amazing stuff with the drums. So oh, for you. those of you who are more curious about looking at the drums and and pay, like studying a bit more about what the drums are go check that out all of this stuff that we talked about all the different videos i'll I'll link all the different uh mics and whatnot so if you're curious about some of the stuff that we talked about i'll link most of it in the description or the show notes for this so you can go to anacreates.ca slash podcast and just find this episode so go check that out and go check out the drum playthrough i will link that and i also have a video that is coming out next week about mixing the drums. So taking the drums that Malcolm gave me, which are home recorded drums, like we just talked about, but making them sound really, really good fitting in the track. Part of recording at home is knowing how to mix them. So that's where you can really make it that much better. So go check out that tutorial will be out next week. Lots of stuff to check out. I know that this is not the last time you're going to be on the podcast. And I know that this is not the last project we're going to be doing because we have a lot in the pipeline right now. So Is there anything that you want to shout out that's that's on the horizon for you that you'd like people to check out? Yeah, I mean, um, if you want to see like more of my videos or anything like that, you know, check out the YouTube channel. uh, Gorilla Back Productions is uh, my little production company, and um, it's kind of just a catch all for just like everything I do. So I have drum playthroughs, drum covers, original music, uh, client projects all up on there. Um, If you kind of want to see all of my videography work, uh, go to GorillaBackProductions.com. I have an a new solo EP under the name Sons of Horus coming out soon. Still trying to figure out the release dates for that, but it's going to be called Sons of Horus Revolution EP. It's a kind of a thematic EP about uh, historical revolutions, uh, which I'm really, really excited about, mixed by uh, the great Alex Chuck Krotz. Um, so yeah, be on the be on the lookout for that. We'll probably probably get together and talk about that a little bit more too, because Chuck was pretty involved. Yep. So uh, yeah, I don't know. Just uh, if you want to. Um, 
at Coddle Mac is my Instagram. So if you want to um, connect, feel free to add me. Awesome. It seems like a tradition at this point when a project comes out that we've worked on, we'll get together and talk about it on a podcast. Yeah. So um, I can look, you can look forward to that uh, coming soon. But anyway, thank you so much, Malcolm, for coming on the podcast once again. Oh, thanks for having me, man. And I uh, look forward to having you back again in the future. Yeah, I can't wait. Thanks so much. Thank you.